Hello and welcome to The Quiz Kids from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listen to it fizz. Alka-Seltzer for headache. Alka-Seltzer for acid indigestion. Alka-Seltzer for cold distress. Alka-Seltzer presents the Quiz Kids. Attention, Quiz Kids. There's our first bell, and here's your first question. Take the number of times the children of Israel marched around Jericho... Multiply by the number of members of the Supreme Court. Divide by the number of ships in Columbus's voyage in 1492. And you get which amendment to the Constitution? Yes, there's question number one for the youngsters here in radio's classroom of the air. You folks at home will want to get in on the fun, too, so see if you can think up the answer to that puzzler while our young pupils get ready here for roll call. And here they are, the quiz kids and the chief quizzer himself... Joe Kelly. Thank you, Bob Murphy, and hello, everyone. Welcome to another Alka-Seltzer question session with those Whiz Kids Radio's famous Quiz Kids. Now, we're going to have a lot of fun with the three R's this afternoon, and as Bob Murphy said, we hope you listeners will pretend you're back in school and see how many right answers you can chalk up. You and the Quiz Kids start out on an equal footing because uh, they don't know what questions are coming up any more than you do. However... I'm going to let you all in on a little surprise. We have a special guest this afternoon, uh, Ernestine Gilbert Carey, co-author of the book that's heading the list of favorites right now, Cheaper by the Dozen. I know you'll all enjoy a visit with Mrs. Carey, but schoolwork comes first, and here we go with roll call quiz, kids. First, Lonnie. I'm Lonnie Lundy. I'm 13 years old and in the eighth grade at Lincoln School in Park Ridge, Illinois. Rennie. I'm Rennie Templeton. I'm 13 years old and in ninth grade at Uha. David. I'm David Prosca. I'm 12 years old and 1A at the Fergus High School, Chicago. Patrick? I'm Patrick Owen Conlon. and 11.53 last night, I was 12 years old. Well. And I'm in 7A at the Fort Dearborn School in Chicago. Well, congratulations. Happy birthday to you, Mel. Or, I mean, uh, Patrick. <laughs> and now the littlest pupil in class, Melvin. I'm Melvin Miles. I'm five years old. I go to kindergarten in Norwood Park School. Well, let's see what you can do with your first question from N.K. Rendell of Los Angeles, California. Take the number of times the children of Israel marched around Jericho, multiply by the number of members of the Supreme Court, divide by the number of ships in Columbus's voyage in 1492, and you get which amendment to the Constitution. We have two hands, three hands up. Pat's hand was first. Well, uh, the first one, I believe uh, you said, how many times did the Israelites march around Jericho? Right. I'll go through this by degrees. Fine. And then the number of justices in the Supreme Court is nine, and the number of times the Israelites marched around was seven. Seven. Nine sevens is 63. Right. And then the number of times... Uh, of the number of ships that Columbus had was three. Three. Three goes in the 63, 21 times. 
21? And that's the 21st Amendment to the, the Constitution. The 21st Amendment, that's right, Patty. Yes, sir. Right on the nose. <laughs> well, I'll bet a lot of folks out there listening were going right along on that, too. That was a dandy. Miss A.M. Lister hopes to stump you children with this question because if she does, she will receive one of those magnificent Zenith Radio phonograph combinations the set with two Cobra tone arms, one for regular playing records and one for the new long playing records. So on your toes, quiz kids, here's the question. It's a short test on world affairs from Miss A.M. Lister of Galveston, Texas. Supposing that fictional characters would follow the political bias of their homeland today... Would these personages favor the North Atlantic Pact? First, Hans Brinker. Patty? Well, he come from the Netherlands, and so he certainly would, he because certainly the Netherlands would. are a member right. of the Pact. Uh-huh. How about Charles Evermond? Lonnie? Well, he was uh, the one in uh, Tale of Two Cities. Correct. Well, I'm, I'm not sure whether he was from England or France, but he was from one of them, so he would support the... North Atlantic Pact. Well, now, let's... Uh, He's from see either we England can... or France. That's right. Let's clear that. Rennie? Well, he was a French nobleman who went to England and took the name of Charles Darnay. So he might, although he was natively French, he'd support the pact there, and he adopted England as his country, so he'd support it again there. That's so I guess right. he's doubly uh, for Absolutely. It. How about Peter and the Wolf? Ooh. Pat. Well, Peter was from, came from Russia, so I don't think he'd support it. No, I and don't neither think... neither with the wolf. <laughs> 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 well, uh, Miss Lister does not receive the big Zenith radio phonograph combination for her question because you children answered it correctly. But she does get a radio. It's that fine Zenith portable radio in a handy luggage case. Now, this is always the reward when a question is used on our program. So, friends... Send in your questions to Quiz Kids Chicago and see if you can win a Zenith radio. Mr. C.O. Harper of San Diego, California, points out that sometimes the manager of a baseball team uh, gives his intricate signals to his players from the bench, and sometimes the coach gives them from the sidelines. For this question, you are to pretend the coach decides to give his signals by whistling a popular tune. Now, what would the player be expected to do if given each of these signals? You must get two out of three. Uh, first, if the coach whistled... Patrick? Well, that's somebody stole my gal, so that would uh, signal the player to steal. To steal, that's right. Steal a base, uh-huh. Now, for this one, uh, the coach whistles... Patrick? Well, I, I was thinking of something, but I don't think oh, that's it. Oh, I see. It. Lonnie? That's right. take it easy. So that, that would, you would give the batter a take sign. Probably the count would be a, a three and nothing or three and one or two and nothing or something like that, where it would be wise for the batter to take the next pitch. Uh-huh. That's very, very good. Now, here's the last signal. The coach whistles... <laughs> That's the blue tail fly. So? So he'd probably signal for a sacrifice fly or else some other fly ball. Well, now, Lonnie, what were you going to well, say? Well, it would be kind of hard to do to get a sacrifice fly ball. I, I, I don't know. He would, uh, might be uh, on guard for a fly or something. I don't know exactly what could be done according to that uh, song. Well, and David... Well, he, he could be signaling to hit a long flight to advance the runner or make Atta him score. Boy. Yes, sir. Very, very good. That's <coughs> fine. Uh-huh. 
Now, uh, this, uh, this question is from Louise Knight of Gladewater, Texas. If you wanted to go into the poultry business and could stock up with poultry mentioned in book and story titles, what might you have? Book and story titles. Melvin? Well, uh, the ugly little duckling might oh. be one. Oh, say, that's a dandy. Yes, sir. I and, almost uh, forgot about that. And, and uh, Pat? The, uh, the egg and I. The egg and I, yes. Melvin again? And the goose that laid the golden egg. Oh, sure. We mustn't forget that one. Lonnie? Chicken little and chicken every Sunday. Chicken every Sunday, right. And, Rennie, what were you going to say? I was going to say chicken every Sunday. Oh, I see. Patrick? Well, uh, the mother goose rhymes. Yes, uh huh, that's right. Well, I guess we're in the poultry business. <laughs> now, we'll take up this next question in just a minute, quiz kids. During that minute, Bob Murphy is asking Did you have a big argument with yourself at the dinner table today over whether you should or shouldn't have that second piece of pie? Well, I won't ask which side won, your willpower or the piece of pie. Instead, let me suggest on those occasions when you do overeat and acid indigestion is the result, be wise. Alkalize with Alka-Seltzer. Yes, just drop an Alka-Seltzer tablet or two into a glass of water, listen to it fizz, then drink it down. We believe you'll be amazed to see how soon Alka-Seltzer begins to ease up that stuffy, uncomfortable feeling in your stomach. It isn't long before you can draw a deep sigh and say with relief, I do feel so much better. Yes, Alka-Seltzer is fast. Alka-Seltzer is effective. Alka-Seltzer is dependable. So remember, when acid indigestion causes discomfort, be wise. Alkalize with Alka-Seltzer. Now, kids, this question from our Alka-Seltzer question box is from uh, Mrs. R.M. Dennison of Harrisburg, uh, Oregon. William Shakespeare is probably the most quoted author who ever lived. Parts of quotations have been used in many book titles. I'll give you the modern book title, and you see if you can tell me the Shakespearean play from which it is quoted. You must get two out of three on this in order to score. First, Ellen Glasgow's book, One Man in His Time, is found in the quotation, One Man in His Time Plays Many Parts, His Acts Being Seven Ages. Now, from what play of Shakespeare's is it taken? Patrick? Well, that's being uh, As You Like It. A as You Like It. That's Indians, that, that's uh, right. that. Right, uh-huh. Now, the book Brave New World by Aldous Huxley is from How Beauteous Mankind Is, O Brave New World That Has Such People In It. What is the Shakespearean play? Brave New World. Pat? Well, I think it's one of those king plays. Well, no. Uh-uh. You give up? The, from the Tempest, spoken by Miranda. All right, now the last one is Stratagems and Spoils by William Allen White from the quotation, The man that hath no music in himself, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, is fit for treason, stratagems, and spoils. Patrick? Well, that's uh, from The Merchant of Venice. That's right. Lorenzo A says that. Absolutely right. The Merchant of Venice. Well, that, that was fine. Now, hey, uh, that... whoa, just a minute, uh, Joe. I'd like to get in on this next question. Uh, I have a quotation. Uh, see if you can place it, will you? Learning can be as much fun as football. 
<laughs> I, I know you thought you were going to catch me, Bob, but I can place that quotation. It's from an article in the June issue of Radio Mirror magazine. Ah, right you are, Professor. An excellent article it is, too. All about those Quiz Kids programs that are being broadcast locally and sponsored locally on NBC stations all over the country. That's right, Bob. And these programs were started because Mr. Charles Beardsley, chairman of the board of Miles Laboratories, wanted to give children, no matter where they lived, a chance to become Quiz Kids and to appear here in Chicago on our network Quiz Kids program. This particular magazine article tells of the success of the local Quiz Kids program in Elkhart, Indiana, sponsored by the First National Bank there with Oliver Capel as Quizmaster. It now appears that all the local Quiz Kids programs started this season will continue next season, with many other cities getting set to start at the opening of the school year next fall, including New York City under the sponsorship of the Savings Banks Association of New York State. Now, we'd be happy to hear from any other sponsors interested in starting this fine project in other regions. And I know all you folks will enjoy seeing the pictures and reading this very interesting article in the current issue of Radio Mirror. Well, let's get along with more questions. Dr. William H. Campbell of Long Beach, uh, California, who is a dentist, says that it has occurred to him that certain men in certain business and professions would have certain types of dental work done. For instance... A professor might want his wisdom teeth looked at, see? Now, what would the following people go to the dentist for? Well, what would a queen want done? Pat? Well, she might want a gold tooth. Well, what, uh, what do you call a gold tooth, really? Uh, uh, a filling? Well, no, no coaching from the audience now, David. A crown. A crown, yes, uh-huh. All right, how about an engineer? David? A bridge. <laughs> a bridge? And a laundryman. A laundryman. What would he want done if he went to the dentist? Rennie? Well, he might want his teeth cleaned. His teeth cleaned, that's right. Uh-huh. Now, one of the best-selling books in the country right now is Cheaper by the Dozen by Frank J. Gilbreth, Jr. and his sister, Mrs. Ernestine Gilbreth Carey. The story, which is soon to be made into a movie, is a true account of the amusing, intense, and interesting life led by a family of 12 children and industrial engineer parents. Papa Gilbreth contends that everything comes cheaper by the dozen, including the 12 kids. We are pleased today to have one of the Gilbreths as a special guest, the witty and charming co-author of the book, Mrs. Carey. Mrs. Carey is now in our NBC studios in New York, and I have invited her to ask you, Quiz Kids, any question she cares to. Mrs. Carey. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. You may not know it, but I always enjoy hearing your program. I love kids, and I especially love the quiz kids. And I think it'll be a lot of fun to ask them a question today. This is what I'd like to ask. How many brothers and sisters do you have? And how do you think you would like to live in a family with 12 children? Let's start off with Rennie. Well, I have one of each, and although at times I think that that is enough, I think it would be fun to live in a family with 12 children, particularly I read the book and I thought that it seemed as if they had many interesting times and having that many, you could do things within the family. I mean, you wouldn't even have to have other friends. You could just start games and have your parlor games and things right in the family. And 
I think when you have that many, it ceases to be a problem of what to do with your brother and sister because there's somebody else to take care of them if you happen to be busy. <laughs> All right, Pat, you're next. Well, I have a sister, Sheila, and uh, I don't know, sometimes it's very nice uh, to have uh, only one sister instead of 11 or, or 12 uh, other children because if you have a piece of cake or something and you <laughs> divide it in half or some candy, well, it's much... Much better for me to get half of it than the one eleventh of it, or one twelfth of it. And uh, sometimes I would like a brother, though. Uh huh. All right, fine, David. Well, I'm an only child, but I think it would be nice to have uh, uh, twelve brothers, bro- but brothers—I mean, eleven brothers, but brothers only. Oh, just <laughs> brothers only, huh? <laughs> Lonnie. Well, I have one older sister, and I like it that way, but I'm, I've always wanted to be one of triplets, provided at least one of the others was a boy. Oh. <laughs> and uh, Melvin? Well, I'm, <clears throat> well, I've got a little brother at home, and uh, sometimes when I'm playing, I have to go and uh, stay with him when my mom's going to the store. And so I'd, uh, I have fun, but I wouldn't like to have 12 of them because I think my brother. <laughs> you would really be busy, wouldn't you? My brother uh, starts to cry there, and I just imagine if all of them would start to cry, 12. Oh, boy, say that you really have. Well, what do you think of those answers, Mrs. Carey? I think those an- answers were wonderful. I was very much interested in the remark about uh, the fact that, that uh, brothers only would be a good idea. As one of the Gilbert girls, I resent that a little bit because I think sisters and girls are kind of fun too, and they're quite good on the baseball team. Some of the boys there may not think so, but some of our stars in the Gilbert family were girls. No one mentioned the fact that uh, it might be fun to have a lot of brothers and sisters around a dining room table, all telling stories at once and all eating at once and all having fun or the fact that it might be fun to have a great crowd sit around and share in some of the family decisions, as we Gilberts did, uh, in a family council. But uh, uh, I was very much interested, too, in the story about babysitting. I don't remember having to do any babysitting, but the thought of sitting for 12 babies just gives me the shudders just as much as I'm sure it does you. Thank you very much, Mr. Kelly, for inviting me to be with you today. Well, the thanks are the other way around, Mrs. Carey. It's been a real honor to have on our program the author of such a charming book as Cheaper by the Dozen. Well, let's see. Here we go with another question. Eliza Merrill of Denver, Colorado, sent in this whimsical question. You kids are to suppose you are buying an automobile from a salesman who used to be a chemist, and the salesman throws in a few chemical symbols with his sales talk. What would he mean if he said, uh, well, now I can give you a very good buy in an H.G.? Pat? Well, that's uh, H.G.? Yes. Now, let's see. What? Is that the symbol? Lonnie? Mercury. Mercury. Mercury car. That's right. I could give you a good buy in a Mercury. Now, what would he mean if he said, or now, if you'd rather, I can show you a nitrogen, arsenic, hydrogen... (coughs) Well, a nitrogen is uh, an uh, an N, N? and uh, arsenic is A-S, and a hydrogen is an H, so that'd be an ash. A nash. Good boy. Yeah, fine. Now, this next one from R. Friedman of St. Louis, Missouri, is about children's stories. Can you identify the following stories from only one phrase or sentence? Here's the first one. Uh, 
The old gentleman was asleep with his glasses alongside him. Melvin? Well, would that be Uncle Wiggily in his spectacles? That's right. Yes, it certainly would be. <laughs> what story is this from? A poor widow who had only one son named Jack and a cow named Milky White. Melvin? Well, would that be Jack and the Beanstalk? Jack and the Beanstalk. Now, how do you like that? Now, children, before we consider this next question, I'm going to turn our microphone over to Bob Murphy again. And friends, now that the weather is nicer and the days are longer, you're probably enjoying some fine outings. You'll be planning picnic suppers just like this family did. But listen to what happened. Oh, Martha? In here, dear. And we're all ready for the picnic. I told the children they could start taking the food out the back way just as soon as they heard the car. Uh, do you want to drive it around? Oh, Martha, I can't. I, I can't do another thing today. I've had the most miserable headache this afternoon. Uh, you take the kids and go ahead. Uh, a picnic sounds anything but good to me. But, dear, we're going to have such a wonderful supper. I fixed deviled eggs and fried chicken. I baked an angel food cake. My headaches. What I need is rest and quiet, not food. Now, just let me stay home. It won't be any fun without you. What you need is Alka-Seltzer. Now, you just sit still, and I'll fix your glass right away. And that's exactly what Martha did. Now, uh, let's check with this family a bit later. Can you eat another piece of cake, dear? <laughs> nope, I'd better quit right here, or I'll be having to take an Alka-Seltzer for relief from acid indigestion. <laughs> Certainly fixed that headache for you, didn't it? I'll say, and in a hurry, too. I feel well enough now to join our kids in a ball game. Oh, say, Martha, remind me to get a package of Alka-Seltzer tonight. I want to keep one at the office. That's a smart idea, all right. Yes, an extra package in the shop can help you feel tip-top. There's nothing quite like Alka-Seltzer. Try it for fast, effective relief from occasional headache or acid indigestion. Well, kids, for this question from Mrs. Percy Krenzett of Halifax, Virginia... I'm going to ask Howard Peterson to play two notes on the organ, and you are to identify the notes and tell what man associated with Capitol Hill has those notes for his first and last initial. Listen carefully. Lonnie? D.A., that'd be Dean Atchison. The Dean Secretary Atchison, of State. Secretary of State, right, uh-huh. Now, try this one. Lonnie? That would be C.F. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, I mean C.B. C.B. Let's see, that would be uh, with Capitol Hill. Yes, right. Uh -huh. Charles Brannan. And uh, his... He's the Secretary of Agriculture. Secretary of Agriculture, right. Uh -huh. Here's the last one. Lonnie? A.B., Alvin Barkley. Right, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> nice going, Lonnie. Nice going. Mrs. William J. Hart of Fayetteville, Arkansas, sends in this question. What are the names of the instruments that play such an important part in the following incidents? You must get two out of three. On what musical instrument was the musician playing while searching for the lost chord? Lonnie? Uh, the organ. The organ, right. Uh-huh. In Coleridge's poem, The Ancient Mariner, what instrument reminded the wedding guest that he should get back to the party? Rennie. Well, that, it was the bassoon. Bassoon. And it's the passage that I have to be one of my favorites. The passage goes, uh, 
The wedding ba- guest here beat his breast, for he heard the loud bassoon. That's very, very good, Rennie. Very good. Now, tell me, what musical instrument sounded at the burial of poor Cock Robin? Lonnie? Wasn't that the lute? No. No. Pat? I think that was the lyre. No. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. What musical instrument? Uh, what character in the uh, story... Uh, Handle this particular instrument. Uh, Rennie? Well, I was thinking that he was shot with a bow and arrow. When you use a bow and a violin, that's pretty far-fetched. <laughs> well, that, that's very good, Rennie. Uh, Lonnie? Well, I'm not sure of this, but it might have been a harp. No, no. You give up on this one? Well, it was a bell. Remember, the bull told the bell because he was the only one that could reach it and uh, pull it. <laughs> this question about baseball players and famous people... Uh, uh, comes from Forrest Bressler of Donaldson, Pennsylvania, kids. He has noticed that the names of some of the major ba- uh, league uh, ballplayers are the same as the last names of other famous people in our country. Now, uh, you are to identify both the player and the other person. What uh, baseball player has the same last name as a famous radio commentator? The name suggests a type of fish. Patrick? Trout. Trout? And that's Bob Trout, the radio announcer, and Dizzy Trout of Detroit. Pitch. That's right. Very good. The name of these men is a kind of food. One is the last name of a ball player, and the other is the last name of a famous sports reporter and writer. A kind of food. Lonnie? That would be Grant Rice and Del Rice of the Cub, of that, the Cardinals. Of the Cardinals, that's right. Uh, Del Rice and Grant Rice. Uh, the last name of a ball player for the Cleveland Indians is the same as what comic strip character? Lonnie? Joe Gordon and Flash Gordon. That's right. And he plays what? Second base for Second the Indians. Second base of the Cleveland Indians. Very good. Milton E. Krentz of New York City wants to try you on this question. What nation, only one year old yesterday, was admitted to the United Nations as the 59th member just last week? Rennie? Well, that would be Palestine, admitted by a vote of 37 to 12. Well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, uh, Pat. It was Israel. Israel. Oh. Uh-huh, <laughs> that's right. Miss Joyce uh, uh, Porter of Amherst, Ohio, tells us that four men live in the Ozark Mountains, but each one lives in a different state. How... Is that possible, Lonnie? Well, the Ozarks uh, extend through four different states. There's, uh, Can you the main them? part of them is in Missouri. Yes. But there are also some in Arkansas. You're right. Let's see. Uh, I believe there's a few in Kentucky. Uh, I believe they extend to Kentucky. No. Or, wait a minute. You're right on Missouri, Arkansas. Missouri and Arkansas. Two others Kansas. Now. Kansas, that's three. And Oklahoma. Oklahoma, that's right. All four of them. Good boy. Bertha Leonard of Auburn, Washington, uh, reminds us that wedding customs have changed greatly since Bible times. If these brides had had modern weddings, what is the name of the man who would have given the bride away and the name of the bridegroom at each wedding? First, Esther. Patrick. Well, the name of the bridegroom was Ahasuerus. That's right. And uh, Mordecai was the... uh... Cousin. That's right, her cousin, uh, uh, Mordecai. How about uh, Zipporah? Patrick? That was Moses' uh, wife, and so Moses would be the bridegroom, and, and Jethro, or Je- Rule, would be the... Uh, very good, the, very, uh, very good. Uh-huh. 
Now, uh, Mrs. Lee W. Hoffman of Tacoma, Washington, would like to try to stop you quiz kids with this question. She says that by pure logic, you should know what kind of pie might be the favorite of each of the following. Two out of three. What kind of pie would Mark Twain like? <laughs> Lonnie? Maybe Huckleberry pie. Huckleberry, that's right, because he wrote Huckleberry. Finn, how about uh, a river? What kind of pie? What kind of pie might a river like? Oh, Melvin? Well, is that a name of a man? Well, no, not in this particular case, uh, Melvin. Oh, well, it might like a juicy pie. <laughs> a juicy pie? <laughs> That's logical, all right. Uh, there's something in the river that uh, would really give you the clue to this. Should uh, pass? A mud pie. Uh, oh, no, not a mud pie. <laughs> well, I'll take that for an answer. I was thinking of uh, a currant pie. <laughs> well... <laughs> the old school bell means it's time to close our Alka-Seltzer question box. I know you're all anxious to hear who won this afternoon, and the judges will have that information for us in just a minute. Meantime, here's a reminder. At 7, at 12, at 6, mealtime in America, and vitamin time. Yes, put that one-a-day brand multiple vitamin bottle on the table and see to it that every member of your family takes a one-a-day brand multiple vitamin capsule. Don't take chances. Government surveys show that the meals of three out of four persons are short on vitamins. So don't take chances that your daily diet is short on essential vitamins. Be on the safe side. Take one-a-day brand multiple vitamin capsules. Sixty capsules, only two dollars. Remember, mealtime is vitamin time. Take one-a-day brand multiple vitamin capsules. Now then, Chris, kids, here are your grades. Remember, whether you win or lose, you will each receive a $100 savings bond from the makers of Alka-Seltzer to help you with your future education. Uh, the judge's report says that as a class, uh, you didn't miss any questions this afternoon. And then taking into consideration your age as well as the number of correct answers you gave, they say that Patrick was first, Lonnie second, and little Melvin third. So we'll see you three back in school next week. And here to compete with you, we'll have Gary Rhodes, 11, and uh, Vance Norum, age 13. And we'd like to mark all you listeners present next week here in Radio's Classroom, the air too. So plan to be with us, won't you? Fine, we'll be looking for you. And now this is Joe Kelly dismissing the quiz kids. Goodbye, kids. Bye, Bye Mr. Kelly. Kelly. Listen to the Quiz Kids every week and listen to Alka-Seltzer's News of the World every Monday through Friday on most of these NBC stations. This is Bob Murphy speaking. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.